Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6 again tonight, and after that, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. And you can see this is a follow-up from this morning's sermon, Trusting God When It Is Hard. I had this sermon queued up for today before the horrible events in Uvalde. Children dead, families in horrendous grief, a community brought to a dark and low place, all of us praying, everybody reacting. It just happens I had this sermon ready for today before those horrible events. I read Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 this morning. I want to read that again this evening as we begin, and then immediately after that in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. I said this morning, when your life is running relatively smoothly, with no outstanding issues or tragedy, it may be one thing to trust in God. But when the storms hit, Sometimes unexpected, when bad things happen that we cannot easily explain, or just the long-term battles that we find ourselves struggling with, our faith is tested. And there may be periods of emotional struggle and stress and periodic distraction or worse, Doubt leading to a loss of faith and growth, or just passive lethargy. The best time to prepare for suffering is all the time before the storm, during the storm, after the storm, and before the next one. Trust in the Lord and do not lean on your own understanding. And in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8, counting it all joy when you meet trials 
of various kinds. Three things I want to bring to our attention from James chapter 1 verses 2 through 8. You've heard these things before. I'm convinced we need to hear them along the way all the time for our good review. Joy is connected to knowledge. Steadfastness is a good result. And then ask God. Joy, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Keep reading. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. I want to bring up a word, a single word in this text. James talks about counting. And this is actually an accounting term in the original Greek. But here it has to do with how we calculate, not money or math, but how we calculate what happens to us. And that which may happen to others that creates grief and disappointment for us. Some will engage in that calculation of circumstances and their result, their sum from that calculation is to be critical of God or to be in denial of God's providence or it could be an impulsive departure from God. James is teaching us that our calculations of experiences on earth, trials, should result in joy if we are living by faith in Christ. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And I think it's important in this text to see that the writer is talking about trials of various kinds. Often in the New Testament context, the trials Christians suffered had to do with persecution, persecution for righteousness sake. In our Bible classes in 1 Peter, specific references made to Christians who were undergoing a fiery trial of persecution. But here, it's trials of various kinds. Now, you could stop here and make a list. Physical, financial, emotional, spiritual, personal conflict, work-related, marriage, parenting, or some unnamed or unknown pressure that you're going through. General disappointment and fear about what's going to happen next. Persecution is included in this package here, but James refers to something more general. Trials of various kinds. And then he says, in those trials, there ought to be for brothers and sisters in Christ, joy. Now the world rebels at that and rejects the idea of suffering accompanied by joy. Maybe some in the Lord's church don't know what to do with this. Joy and suffering, the typical idea is there is nothing about trials or sufferings that relates to joy. Well, that may be generally the perspective of the world. 
but specifically, James is writing to Christians, and for Christians, there can be joy even during various kinds of trials. If our faith is firmed up before the trials and in the trials, knowing, James says, he says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So the joy in James verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 2, is connected to the knowledge in chapter 1, verse 3. If you want to count it all joy while going through various trials, you have to know something. You have to know something God has revealed that the testing of your faith can produce steadfastness if you keep your faith intact. I'm anxious to say the knowledge of James chapter 1 verse 3 is not knowing everything about everything. It's knowing one thing about testing. It can produce steadfastness. I think I think one of the hardest lessons to learn in life on earth is that difficulty can in fact work to our benefit. Most of us, maybe every one of us, can remember some crisis that intruded into our lives. It was unwanted, painful, horrible. We don't want to ever repeat that. But we learn something from it. We learn something about ourselves, whether good or bad. We learn something about God. We learn something about the possibility that in the storm in life, there is inherent in our earthly existence some good product. Pain can leave us better depending on how we deal with it. I would come into my daddy after some big scrap in the neighborhood or at school and I would come to him always wanting sympathy and he always had sympathy to offer. But then he had this question that in my youth I did not fully comprehend. He would say after this scrap in the neighborhood or the school and I came to him he would say, did you learn anything? Did I learn anything? We need to understand, we need to know that as we undergo various difficulties on earth, uh, on earth it can be a classroom. There is something we can learn from our trials, and that's what James wants us to understand. So the joy of James 1-2 is connected to the knowledge of James 1-3. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. One more thing about trials of various kinds. It is extremely likely the trials or hardships you go through are not exactly the same as the trials others go through. I know that we have a tendency to go to someone who's suffering and we say, I know how you feel. 
Or we say something like, I've been through that. But it may be, we need, may be that we need to tweak that idea. Trials or hardships that you go through are not going to be exactly the same as the trials others are going through. Watch out for the temptation to think that our trials are all identical. I tell you, we don't process difficulties in the same way. There are no two people in this auditorium right now who process difficulties in exactly the same way. Watch out for the temptation to think, I wish I had her trial. I wish I had his pain. Here's one of those cases where comparison with others doesn't serve us well. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Then James goes on to say, let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If I get into a big old mess, if I get into one of those varieties of trials, and in the middle of it, I just quit. I give up. I walk away from God. You know what I've done? I've canceled the positive outcome of steadfastness. I've canceled it. I've walked away from it. I've also likely produced the unwanted outcome of future bitterness that I carry around with me up here. Bitterness that I may foolishly carry in my mind for years ahead. So let me say that again. If I get into the middle of that big old mess, that variety, that various kind of trial, and I just get in the middle of it and I quit and I give up my walk away from God, I've canceled the positive outcome of steadfastness. And I've also likely produced the unwanted outcome of bitterness that I may share with others. The joy and steadfastness in this passage isn't granted to and cannot be reached by those who grumble and complain and quit and resist the positive outcome. Going into my trials with faith... I'm able to come out with faith if I keep faith active. James uses the word steadfastness. But we've got to be patient in the trial and not give up. Otherwise, steadfastness doesn't have its full effect. And we are left incomplete as far as that trial was concerned. When we get into troublesome waters, we sometimes just want to swim back or paddle back to shore and forget it. We may say to ourselves and to others, I just want this to be over, so I'm giving up. I'm quitting. But quitting cuts against the grain of what can be accomplished in the trial. Here's another way I can express that. The complete person in this passage is the person who allows character to be formed in the difficulty. 
The perfection in this passage is not sinless perfection. It has to do with letting each trial have a good impact. Daddy said, what would you learn from that? I'm headed to Romans 5. Paul is writing to Christians in Rome about what it means to be justified by faith. The various dimensions of that, the blessings of it. And at this place in his letter, he wants them to know being justified by faith means joy in suffering that can produce and nourish within us the good qualities God wants to see in us. And so he wrote it in this way. Therefore, Romans 5 verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained access by faith into this grace, in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Look in this passage at what trials can do for us. Endurance, character, hope, and love. Sometimes we may want to think, you know, if I didn't have any problems, I'd just be fine. If I didn't have any problems, I would just be fine. Really? Name a Bible character. Name a Bible character who became strong in the Lord. Who trusted God and served people well and is offered as a good example who didn't have any problems. Any hardships. No suffering, no difficulties, no hardships. There's not one. It wouldn't be Joseph or Abraham. Wouldn't be Job or David. Wouldn't be Esther. Suffering can refine us and test us and yield good outcome. In this case, steadfastness, but don't stop in the middle of the trial before steadfastness has become the product. We are tested by hardship. And someone once said, when life is hard, you discover whether you're really in Christ or just an imposter who showed up for a sunny day at the beach. Number three, include verse five in this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. Hearing all that's been taught today about trusting God in hard times and tonight about counting it all joy 
in various trials. Still, we're going to come to places in our difficulties where we are worn out, we're frustrated, and there are moments when we don't know exactly what to do next. James gives us two words. Ask God. He can lift us up. He can restart us if we are willing. He can help us like nobody here on earth. Asking God isn't like asking somebody here on earth. Now, you can go to a trusted friend and verbally unload all of your frustrations. And it may be, and I hope it is, that there's some value in that because we need to help each other. We need to be willing to patiently listen to each other and respond to each other with prayer and hope and God's word. But let me offer two things about your trusted friend, as valuable as that friend might be. He or she isn't as wise as God. And he or she isn't as generous as God. I'm not discouraging us from verbally unloading on a trusted friend. Christians ought to be good listeners and willing servants who can offer good counsel. But there is a perfectly generously listener that we need to go to first. And that would be God. And this takes us back to where we started this morning coming to God believing he's able to respond to our genuine needs and help us. Now, James wants to make something very clear about this coming to God and asking God. I'm going to take us now to verses 6, 7, and 8. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. So James says, come to God, ask God. But that faith that comes to God must have embedded in it this strong level of firm trust in him. That's still active in hard times. I want to add this. <clears throat> I touched on this just briefly this morning. We live in a society where instant responses are common. And the first response when bad things happen very often is to open our mouths very quickly and express our viewpoint rapidly and then maybe firm up our defenses about what we've already said. Don't we do that? Something happens, we speak quickly 
And then as quickly as we've spoken those words, we firm up our defenses about what we've just said. This past week, even before that mass shooting was over, everybody had something to say. And nowadays you can do it very quickly. Something to type or tweet or post. But should we remember that sometimes our first responses are not the best responses? Maybe also our second and third responses. But we want to be heard. We want to be heard quickly. We want to be immediate in our responses. Sometimes I think we want to get our responses in before anybody else. We want people to hear us and believe us and agree with us. And so we speak quickly. We post quickly. We send a message quickly and then as quickly we firm up our defenses of what we've already said. Well, I understand about free speech. I understand our instant capacity in the digital arena to give a quick response. But what about this first response? Ask God. Ask Him for wisdom before we speak or post or tweet. Ask Him for help for victims before we process and analyze everything. Ask Him to help us and strengthen us to preach the gospel and show people the way. Ask Him. Ask Him to help us frame our thoughts carefully before we hit that button. Ask Him to help us express our compassion, always speaking the truth in love. So, will you let me circle back to where we started this morning? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. Count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. How to trust God in hard times. Let me review. Trusting God isn't just something you think and say. 
It's a way of life that you embrace every day by how you think, speak, pray, worship, interact with God and with people. We leave the methods up to God. His answers are wiser than our prayers. We don't need to detail Him about how we expect Him to respond. We just ask Him for wisdom. From James 1 tonight, joy in various trials is based on knowledge. Let steadfastness have its full effect. We must resist the temptation to lash out, bail out, give up, say the first thing that comes to mind. Stay in the battle and finish strong. And in our lack of wisdom, may we always be prompted to ask God. Not long ago, I preached on the parable of the talents from Matthew chapter 25. And I said to us, to me and to you, Jesus wants us to use what we have now to the best of our ability for accountability later. We don't all have the same abilities. We are not all at exactly the same place. But we need to do what we can with what we have and move forward. Use what we learn about God and ourselves in one trial to be stronger for the next trial. What did we discover? Daddy said, what did you learn? What did we find out? in our previous difficulties that we can use going forward into the next storm ready for final accountability to God. Listening for, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's be standing as we sing.